Hi, I'm Ryan Becker, and you're listening to the Rock Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church Official Sermon Archive. You can find more information about our church at www.rockhillsdachurch.org. We hope by listening to this message that you are encouraged and challenged in your walk with Christ. The scripture this morning is coming from the Old Testament, and it's going to make sense to you in a little bit. It's not going to make sense to you at the very beginning of of this message, but I think it will. So if you would take your swords, please, and turn Old Testament, Judges chapter 5. Chapter 5 is the song of Deborah, who was one of the female judges of Israel after a great battle had been fought that the Israelites had won. And what she's doing in a very poetic way is telling the story of what happened in chapter 4. But chapter 4 is kind of dry and gory, talks about killing and all that kind of stuff. So Deborah sings this beautiful song. We're going to just start uh, Judges chapter 5 and verse 15. I'm looking at a new Bible this morning, so I have to kind of get used to this one. Chapter 15. Would you stand, please, as the word of God is proclaimed? And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah, even Issachar. Also Barak, for he was sent on foot into the valley. Now in the divisions of Reuben there were great thoughts of heart. Why abodest thou amongst the sheepfolds to hear the bleeding of the flocks? For the divisions of Reuben there were great searchings of heart. Gilead abode beyond Jordan. And why did Dan remain in the ships? Asher continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. Zebulon and Naphtali were a people that jeopardized their lives unto the death in the high places of the field. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word as you are seated. Now I'm going to encapsulate very, very quickly what this said. This is poetry. This is a song of victory sung by Deborah. They were going to battle. The children of Israel had done nothing but battle ever since they left Egypt. They had been fighting for 40 years. During all that trip across the desert, and it shouldn't have taken them that long, but we know the story of why it took them 40 years. They had to fight. They fought the Amalekites. They fought the Hittites. They fought the Assyrians. They fought anybody that stood in their path because the Lord said, in order to get to your promised land, you've got to fight. I'm not just going to hand it to you. Here you go, sweetie. You're such good little Israelites. Here you go. They had to fight. And they finally come to the promised land. And what did they have to do as soon as they crossed the River Jordan? They had to fight. And they had been fighting for generations now. There's going to be another battle. Not everybody comes to fight. There are three and a half tribes of Israel that said, I think I'm done fighting. So, hold that thought. Some of you, actually when I, when I told Ryan what the title of this message was going to be, he said, really? How many of you in here know what the MMA is? One person. 
How many of you know what the WWE is? Oh, come on, admit you know what the WWE is. World Wrestling. World Wrestling something, yeah. Yeah, wrestling. The MMA is mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. It is it's a sport, a very, very, very popular sport around the world. And WWE is based in the United States, and that's wrestling. And then I said, and me. What does that have to do with this? I thought, well, I, here's the other name I thought I might give the name uh, to, this, to this message, and I thought maybe that'll get your interest up, was what I've learned from Ronda Rousey. Now, does anybody in here know who Ronda Rousey is? I'm going to tell you when I get to that. I'll tell you. She's a remarkable young woman. But let's go back to Deborah and Barak on the plains of Israel. And they call for the children of Israel to come and defend the land which God has given them so that they won't be driven out. How many tribes of Israel were there? Twelve. Twelve. Only eight and a half showed up. Now Reuben, I think there's a sandwich named after him. Reuben, one of Joseph's brothers, that's where the names of the 12 tribes came from. Those were Joseph and his brothers. Reuben was the tribe that was really, really torn about fighting. They were very sentimental and very heart heart heavy about this, but the, actually Reuben was the first son of Jacob, the very first son by, by Leah. And we've talked about the story about Leah and Rachel before. And it, his name means, I see my son, S-O-N. Because Jacob finally had a son. I see my son, Reuben, the firstborn. His tribe, if you look in verse 15, the very end of it, the divisions of Reuben in the households of Reuben there were great thoughts of heart. They were worried. Oh, what's going to happen? We've got to fight again. God has been good to us. He's given us this land. I'm a little tired of fighting. That just means i got to leave. I've got to leave. i got to leave my family. All the young men have to go. Who's going to protect the wives and the children? And... Verse 16, what, was, what did the tribe of Reuben do for a living? What, what was their big thing? If you look at verse 16, you see they were shepherds. Mm -hmm. And they had multiple flocks of sheep. And they, this is where they made their livelihood. Their life depended on the flocks being healthy so that they could sell them and then they also lived off of them. And so they're 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 torn. They're 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 let's well it, it it it's it's really important. God wants us to have this land. Uh, yes, yes, we're supposed to. We need to go and support all the other tribes. And they're very enthusiastic about staying in, in the promised land. But boy, that battle's a long way from here. You know? The the battle's not gonna be here, it's not gonna affect me. Um 
And they're actually on the, located on the other side of the Jordan. They went back across the way the river runs. Where their tribe settled was on the far side of the river Jordan. And they stopped listening. And what they heard was not the voice of God. But they heard their sheep. Going, and they thought, oh, the sheep fighting some people that never did me any harm, taking care of my family and my sheep, going over, maybe getting hurt or killed. Mm. And it tore them, it tore them up. Great thoughts of their heart, great resolves of the heart. Who's gonna pay the bills if I go? You ever heard that statement from somebody? God's calling them to do something. But all this other stuff, well, well who's going to take care of the sheep? Uh, who's going to pay my bills? Who's going to mow the grass? Yes, we want to help, but we've got to think of ourselves first. The Rubens of the church, now remember, we're not talking to pagans here. We're talking to the children of God. You got to remember that. We're talking to the children of God. They came through the desert led by a cloud and a pillar of fire. They're the ones that say, I don't know if we should do that. Let's go home and pray about it. Let's have a meeting. Let's, let's gather more information. You ever been in a church or a situation where that's become an obstacle? Can't, I can't decide that without some real thoughtful prayer. Now, there's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But when you use that as an excuse not to do what God has called you to do, that's when it becomes an obstacle. They're willing to, at the drop of a hat, they will have a discussion with you. They have to do some research in order to get the problem right in the right perspective. And they stayed and they did not come. Now, Gilead also lived on the other side of the Jordan River as it lay, as it wandered through this land. They saw the river as a barrier, which was not an obstacle, but a protector. Well, now those guys here fight, they're not going to come on this side of the river. So we're going to be okay over here. Have a nice battle. We're not coming. We're safe at home. We throw up barriers to protect ourselves. Whether they're real barriers or not, we find that safe spot to go. Now, God has created us to be members of a fellowship, to be members of a body. How many of you would have a very successful life you lost the use of your right hand. I have been faced this spring with a very serious obstacle to my life. I make my living with my fingers. I use my brain, yes, but how I actually make my living, what brings in the paycheck, which pays all those bills, are these ten fingers. And right now, these aren't working right. 
Last night, my students gave a recital. And I got to see parents that I usually don't see during the, the school year. A lot of times, the parents will drop them off, go shopping, and then come back and pick them up. And I don't really get a chance to talk. Without fail, every single parent last night came up to me and said, How is, how's your wrist doing? How's that carpal tunnel doing? Are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? We're so glad you didn't quit teaching. We're glad, you, you're, we're glad you're right here and you're still working with our kids. And we know you, did, you don't have to be doing that. And teaching violin is very difficult when you don't have your right hand. Because violin doesn't make a single sound if you're holding it like this. It looks pretty for a picture. But it doesn't make a sound until the bow hits the strings. And right now I can't bow. We are meant to be part of a body. There were 12 tribes that had to function as one. But Gilead said, mm, yeah, they're not coming on this side of the river. Have a nice battle. Bye. The messenger. Dan. The house of Dan, the tribe of Dan. Where were they? Verse 17. Why did Dan remain in their ships? Well, it's quick to get away. If you're in a ship, you can just sail away, right? This is how they made their living. They, were all, they worked on the water. They were tradesmen. They fished. They traveled. They, they, they convoyed people around the Mediterranean and, and through the Red Sea and all that. And horses can't chase you if you're on the water. The warriors on the horses. I mean, horses can swim, sure. Don't get me wrong with that. I've had horses swim. I had a horse one time that loved to lay in the water and roll over, scared to Woo, I, I mean, I was like, oh, Lord, please help me because I was sitting on her back and she laid down in the water and started to roll. And I didn't know she was going to do that. And I was shouting, Lord, I'd seriously, the, the people that were around me said, I was praying out loud, said, Lord, help me, I'm going to drown. But horses won't chase you if you're in a ship. And arrows will only go so far. And you can just sail away. And they refuse to show up. All they could see were their own issues. They could not see that the issues of the others had any bearing on them. Asher also were seafarers, the tribe of Asher. And if we understand where that their encampment and their city was, they actually did business with Sisera, with, with him and his troops. And so uh, we don't want to annoy them because they might come and attack us or they'll take their business elsewhere. And I just don't think it would be prudent at this time. I'm going to do my George H.W. Bush imitation here. Wouldn't be prudent at this time. Would not be prudent at this time. In other words, come see us another day. Right now, we're not going to engage in your battles with you because we have to protect ourselves. Had too much going on to see what God was doing. Well, let me tell you a little bit about these, these tribes, these three and a half tribes. 
Not a one of these tribes ever again made an important contribution to the cause of God. It's not recorded. They virtually disappear from Scripture. Dan led his group, his city, into apostasy, and they started worshiping Baal. The leaders of Asher virtually vanished from the scene except just a few very, very casual references after the next judge who was Gideon. Remember Gideon and the fleece? That tribe virtually disappears from records of Israel. Gideon and Reuben, who lived on the other side of the Jordan and thought the Jordan River was going to protect them, were repeatedly run over time and time and time again by tribes who came from a different direction. Oh, have you ever thought that your enemies only come at you from the front? They don't. Your enemies will come at you from the back, they'll come at you from the side, they'll come at you from the top, they'll come at you from the bottom. They will come anywhere that you don't expect them to come from. And those tribes that lived on the other side of the Jordan constantly were enslaved and constantly were enslaved and enslaved and enslaved and enslaved until they became irrelevant. <coughs> You just don't hear of them anymore. What does this have to do with mixed martial arts, the WWE, and a young lady by the name of Ronda Rousey? The MMA is, I hesitate to call it a sport. It's more of a lifestyle. It means mixed martial arts. That means boxing, judo, bare knuckle fighting, Kung Fu, Jiu Jitsu, any kind of fighting that you can think of in the world is, is welcome in that sports family. And let me tell you something, folks. It's for real. It is not scripted. When you get into that cage, and it's literally a cage that you're in, it's called an octagon because it has eight sides, big cage. Your job is to destroy your opponent. Not to pin them to the mat to win. People have been killed in mixed martial arts battles. They have been seriously injured. They have been paralyzed. They have been blinded. If you ever watch it, I watched, I've watched a couple of them because I wanted to really understand why this was weighing so heavy on my heart. To use this as an analogy. If you go into MMA, you are going to fight. You're not putting on a show at all. It's real. And people pay insane amounts of money to watch it, to actually go to an MMA fight because somebody might get killed. It's the driving down the highway syndrome when you see an accident. Everybody stops usually causing another accident, to see if someone's been hurt bad. I wonder if you've ever been in a car and you hear this, I wonder if anybody was killed. Right? Someone in your car is going to say that. Rhonda Rousey, young girl, I believe she's from Michigan, I'm not exactly sure, somewhere in the Midwest. As a young lady, and she's very petite, about 5'6", 
maybe weighs 120, 127, something like that. As a young lady, she started taking judo lessons. Her parents let her take judo for self-defense and balance and self-confidence, you know, all the right reasons. Well, it turned out Ronda Rousey was amazing at judo. She could beat her instructors once they taught her what the moves were and the balance and all that. She could beat the teachers. And so they would move her on to somebody who was more experienced and taught her more and more. She represented the United States in the Olympics and won a gold medal in judo. Amazing young woman. Well, guess how she decided she was going to make her living? As a mixed martial artist. Now they have divisions, male and female. So she started fighting in MMA. For two and a half years, she was undefeated. Nobody could touch her. She did a knockout one time in six seconds. Kicked a girl up. She, you know how judo, you know, you do the kicking and all that. Kicked a girl in the head, knocked her out. In six seconds, she had that match won. In some of her matches, she's come out. This side of her face is all swollen up with no eyeball on this side. Blood coming out of this ear. She walked it like this. She won. She was undefeated. She was the phenom of a generation. And if you knew Ronda Rousey was going to be on the card, you knew you were going to have a sellout crowd, wherever it was. And on television, people would do pay-per-view. They would pay $90 to watch a match that might only last <clears throat> 15 seconds because that's how good she was. Amazing young woman. Pretty. When her face isn't all looking like she's been in a fight with Popeye. You know, he can always beat Pluto, right? And then along came Rosie Nunez. And about two years ago, there was a fight. I'm not sure of her first name. I know her last name was Nunez. And everybody had all the money on Rousey. Rousey had never been beat. This is an up and upcomer. Doesn't really have a much of a record. And they got in the ring, and I think they do it like boxing. I think it's like three-minute bouts and around. I forget how many bouts they went, but at the end of it, the winner was not Ronda Rousey. The winner was Nunez. And everybody just fell apart. The world was coming to an end. Ronda Rousey had been beaten. And she thought her life was over. She left Everybody, everything. She disappeared for about six months. Nobody knew where she, well, her family knew. But the, the public didn't know where she was, what she was doing. She was pouting. We found out later she was, she just, well, the, the, the officiating wasn't quite what it should have been. And she wasn't prepared and this and this. All these reasons why she had gotten beaten. So they said, well, you need to get back in the ring. You need to start fighting again. So they set up a match for her. I do not remember this girl's name, and I tried to do the research, but I don't. I, I couldn't find it out in the, in the amount of time that I had to, to prepare for this. Guess what happened? Little Miss Rhonda lost again for the second time. Hold that thought. 
Have you ever been in a fight you thought you were going to win with sin? With the devil? You thought you could win it? But you get knocked down? And you get trampled? And you fail? And that sick feeling inside of you, I failed my father. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I thought I was going to win. God, why didn't you let me win? You said you would always be with me. You said you would help me. And you try again, and guess what happens the next time? I don't know about you. I fail a lot of times, one right after the other. Why? What did I do wrong? Did I not prepare the right way? Was there something about me? Did you not like the blue dress I had on that day? You know, any reason except for the fact that I was trying to do it in my own strength and not his strength. Well, Ronda Rousey's career as a millionaires in the WW in the MMA looked to be over. So she found a new job. She's now working for the WWE. Now, for those of you who don't know exactly what the WWE is, this is professional wrestling entertainment. Okay? It's different. They're not actually like, you know, you know, knocking the teeth out of your face. But here's the difference. The goal is not to destroy the other person in the ring. The goal is to entertain the people so they'll tune in next week. And there's a script. When you go, when they go into the ring to wrestle, they already know who's going to win. And the referee knows who's going to win. And there's a storyline. There's a good guy. There's a bad guy. And this guy made fun of your family. And so now it's Keith Slater. His shirt says, I've got kids. I need this job. That, 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 and he goes in. That's what he's here. I'm here for my kids. And nine times out of ten, Keith Slater loses. But next week, he's going to win. So people tune in to see it. So Ronda Rousey has now gone to WWE. And she had about, not too long ago, a big thing called WrestleMania, which is the biggest pay-per-view apparently in the world. I don't know, even more so than the Super Bowl, they say. And instead of coming in there with boxing gloves and her hair in a tight bun so that nobody could grab her hair or anything, and going out with puffy cheeks and, and bruised eyes and all that, she came down with fluffy hair and false eyelashes and bright lipstick and a little kilt because her mentor was Rowdy Roddy, Roddy Piper, who was a Scotsman. So she came bouncing down in a kilt with a big grin on her face. And everybody's cheering and screaming. Hey, Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey. Guess what? She won! She didn't even break a sweat. And she still has her false eyelashes and her makeup is per perfect. And she's perky and pretty. Tune in next week. See who she's going to fight next week. How many of us have tried to leave the NMA and go to the WWE? 
where we know what the outcome is going to be and that we're not really in any danger. And we still get paid no matter if, whether we win or lose. There's no consequences, no real consequences. And we go in there knowing the end from the beginning. And we're, we, we make it look good like Reuben did, great, great thoughts, great thoughts of the heart and being very concerned. But it's not real. It's fake. There is no real intent. She can bounce down there every week and know no one is going to lay a finger on her because that's not part of the storyline. I'm looking for the sentence. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You ran your race. You didn't quit. You didn't say, oh, well, I'm not going to run this race. I'm going to run the short track over there because that, that's not as hard. And I know I can win over there on the short track. There's laid up for me a crown of glory if I follow him even unto the cross. WWE, there's no cross. There's a paycheck. But it's not real. What you see is not the real thing. And I couldn't help but think Paul and Silas and Barnabas and the beatings that they undertook because they spoke the gospel. And I have had times in my life when I have taken a stand. The best job I ever had as far as money goes. Seriously, the best job I ever had as far as the paycheck that I got every two weeks. I lost because I refused to do something that I knew would shame my father. I refused to partake in an activity that I knew was wrong morally, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, but the company was bound and determined that we're going to get this money and this is your job to be a part of this team. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Clean it. And right then and there, the owner of the company said, clean out your desk, you're done. I had just bought a house. I had just bought my first home. And I lost my job like a month later. Now, I'm not holding me up as the perfect Christian warrior. Because I actually, when I got home that night, I thought about calling him and asking for my job back and, and saying, okay, I'll do it. I won't like it, but I'll do it. And my roommate at the time, a wonderful dear girl, Beverly Gant, she was so nice. She said, Rebecca, you know you're not supposed to be a part of that company. 
God knows you're not supposed to be part of coming. Otherwise, you wouldn't be crying. Do what's right. I was able to find another job within two or three days, and it was teaching. A teacher at one of the schools in the area had had a heart attack, and they needed somebody to finish the school year. And there I was, unemployed. My father honored what I did for him, the stand that I took for him. Not perfect, because I doubted, and I really, really, really was going to call the next morning and beg for my job back. I was, because I was afraid, because I didn't know what the end was going to be. I was afraid, because I was in uncharted water. I don't want to be erased from the list of people who took a stand for Christ. I don't want to become irrelevant as one of his children. So with to the best of my ability, the best of my ability with his help, I will continue to walk the path he's laid before me. <sighs> One step at a time. WWE is entertaining. It's fun to watch. But never, ever mistake it for the real thing. <laughs>